Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Loyalty, described as, do you care? And I care, and that's why I'm on this show. Comes a time, here we go. <laughs> I'm a sucker for O'Teal, man. I saw that same feeling that I have, that would he fill the void that I didn't even know existed. It feels so good to, as Ben said, to try to do something about an issue as opposed to complaining. If you can't help, don't hurt. If we could just all get out there and throw cream puffs at each other, maybe things would, instead of bullets and, and <laughs> angry words, it would be better. When you stop laughing, you stop living. There's a worldwide surge in interest in mushrooms. It was deep, man. It's not that TM makes your mind quiet down there. It already is. We're just stuck up here. We've lost access. I'm jumping Jack Flash. Came out by the stones. So I thought, all right, perfect, man. I'm gonna drive, and I started driving through the neighborhood, and I got, I got a text from Mick Jagger. <laughs> People saying that you know what we do is non-essential. Well, playing those few gigs that yeah. you saw me at felt pretty essential to me. It wasn't like they were clapping from here. Is they were clapping from here. My view of things is that death, death is the last and best reward for a life well lived. Like you gotta, it's the strangest of places if you look at it right, you know? If you're liking what you're hearing, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get your bus pass for an extra episode every week. Welcome back to another episode of Comes a Time Podcast. That is O'Teal. And that is Mike. And this is my Iron Sheik t-shirt, Sheik 83. Special shirt. That thing is uh, the beacon. That's the bat signal right now, huh, for you? You keep <laughs> it just running into the right people, thanks to your t-shirt, your wrestling t-shirt collection. So, as we're recording this, I just found out <laughs> tonight I'm going to get to have dinner with Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Jim Hacksaw Duggan. Hacksaw <laughs> Jim Duggan. <laughs> wow two of the most legendary professional wrestlers 10 year old me is doing backflips right now for you <laughs> and 10 year old me is doing because like it's, it, it it helps me access the 10 year old me i know you know it's, it's awesome watching so this great it's so man. fun watching you like get, so you called me you're like dude guess who i met last night you're so excited it's great dude I'm so happy for you. I told you, you got to bring a, a, a you got to go to Home Depot and get a hacksaw for him to sign. And I got to get that two by four, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. So some of that's probably going to be coming soon, but <laughs> yeah. today, today, which it's not when we 
show this, but today is the actual first day of Black History Month. Mm -hmm. And by coincidence, if you believe in that sort of thing, we had amazing bassist Alfonso Johnson, one of my biggest heroes of all time. You probably saw him playing or heard him with Santana. For those of you that are more into like the old school stuff that I am into, Weather Report, that's where I ran into him. And that band and Alfonso are like direct reason that I'm playing. And you hear his playing and my playing all the time and always have and always will. And uh, he also played with George Duke, Alan Holdsworth, Chet Baker, Billy Cobham, Hermeto Pascal, for those of you Brazilian folks that know the heavy stuff. Like this guy's he's played with so many people, it's ridiculous. And he's the sweetest. I mean, wasn't that a smooth, he's gentle, he's a gentle person. You know what kept popping in my head was the quote that um <clears throat> I don't even know if Karina meant to, she said something that popped in. That's like branded on my brain. Foundational calm. Yeah. Like he's got it. He does have it. You could tell he got it from his parents, just like Karina got it. Just from like hers. she got it. Yeah. And it just, that yeah. that's what he has. And uh, yeah. if, if anyone's like looking to, you know, who may not know, you know, and also jazz is dead. I mean, that's jazz you know, a lot dead. of work oh with Kim God, Oak and stuff like that, but the, right um, the weather report album, I mean, what's the one that's got cucumber slumber on it? Oteal. Is that there? That, that that's a uh, me... mysterious traveler, but, and also black market and tail spinning, like all oh, oh, such fantastic albums. I think changed my life. Yeah. That's what got me into like the, that album. Um, the cucumber slumber is just such a, <laughs> I mean, damn, that song is just incredible. Then, but then Billy Cobham. I mean, Billy Cobham, George Duke, man, man, the bass lines this guy wrote, like, yeah, man, yeah, take the take the trip. Those George Duke records, I was I was about to be in tears because I had to turn it off because we had to actually do the podcast. But you know, all that stuff just reminded me of sitting in our teeny little music room at home in Southeast Washington. Yeah. Listen to George Duke and and Alfonso and and Dugu Leon Chancellor together, just like. And I love George Duke from. Stuff, I love George Duke from all the Zappa stuff the Zappa, too. And yeah, it's just, yeah, like just the way that it all kind of. And Alfonso a, also played with Weir with Bobby and the Midnights. Yep, he's the Midnight part. Him yeah. and Billy Cobham and Billy Cobham. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, and, so, on, and on our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod. Um, we'll put a whole bunch of, you know, Alfonso, like, like we'll put weather report, we'll throw yeah. up all our favorites. So if you guys want head over there and we'll be able to, you know, share some of that with you guys. But yeah, this was pretty amazing to, and I like watching you two chat, like, you know, at one point you're like, sorry. And I'm like, what are you apologizing? I just, like, like, this is the my one I Chris loved. Farley moment. I was just Please, like, dude. so remember when you did the R will prevail? That was awesome. <laughs> You know, I was like, no question. Remember <laughs> just, when you were in Weather Report? That remember wasn't really weather, like a weather Report? report oh my it? god, that was awesome. <laughs> no, you know what? And I'm, I was kind of like, you know, the two of you have had to digest and interpret Phil Lesh, and I'm interested on how that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's a super. You have that in common. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's a really cool thing that like the two of you have had to kind of both tackle. <laughs> you know. I was listening to that early this morning because uh, 
Pete Lavazzoli, who plays drums with me, uh, um, sent me uh, something on archive. So they were doing Weather Report Suite. And uh, it was really, you know, and he plays that space alien. I know this is like the longest intro ever. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Check out the pocket. He plays a space alien uh instrument called a chapman stick built by this cat emin chapman it has t- 10 strings on it and it's like this long and you don't pluck it you play both with your hands on it, like a it's piano like a sitar almost it's a crazy like yeah and he uses that with jazz is dead too and um so it's uh yeah go check it out they it's just cool finished talk. up a tour yeah. and i think they're going out again uh at some point soon so. Yeah, that was awesome. And, and and look at what a day you're having. Okay, Alfonso Johnson. Now you're going to go beefcake it up. I'm sure you did your DDP yoga today. I, I actually didn't today, well, but you got time in between. Yeah, I uh, man. Yeah. Alfonso Johnson, Bruce the Barber Beefcake, and Axel Jim Duggan in one 24-hour period. That's, That's pretty trick. legendary. That's a hat trick if I've ever heard it. So. God, I hope we hope you're all having the same kind of day out there, everyone that's listening. So uh, if you're having fun and you're enjoying the podcast as much as we are, go on and rate it, review it, uh, 
tell your tell your friends follow us on our things uh we'll have all the links in the bios and stuff and uh we got a lot of great episodes coming up head back and listen to some of the old ones they're on our youtube channel um yeah join us on patreon take care of each other be nice to each other stay warm stay cool wherever the hell you are and uh dive into an alfonso johnson where it's it's a fun listen and i'd say start with cucumber slumber (laughs) that's a good one (laughs) yeah have a good day everyone (laughs) listen alfonso bye-bye Man, it's good to see you, Alfonso. When was the last time I yeah, saw yeah. you? It must have been a minute, hadn't it? Yeah, I want to say it was, uh, was it in Virginia? I think so. Yeah, I think you you came by a Jazz at Dead concert and uh, uh, sat in. Dude, that's a really, really long time ago. Yeah, it was about 25 years ago. Wow. That's, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. Jazz is Dead is... Yeah. Wow. Huh? 25 years. And isn't it weird how like 2000, the year 2000 still feels like it shouldn't feel like that long ago. It shouldn't feel like 22 years. That's what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) I think about that and it's like, oh my God, we're getting old. Do we have some kind of jazz is dead karma? Cause now you're out with jazz is dead again. And here we are. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, and it's it's even crazier when you when I look out in the audience and I see fans that have grown up with us with the music, you know, yeah. still dancing. And now they have kids in the audience. It's, uh, it's a trip. <laughs> it's a real trip. It was funny. A friend of mine down here, uh, who's a fusion guy, you know, he grew up playing. He's really young. He's like twenty eight. Yeah. I think he's twenty six when I met him. He grew up playing with all the people down here that live around with Jocko, you know, yeah. and played with Jocko back then. Yeah. And uh, we when were talking. Say, when you say down here, where are you? And I'm in South Florida. So oh, I'm 20 okay. minutes from Fort Lauderdale, 45 minutes from Miami. I'm in okay. Boca. Right. So he know, played with a lot of those guys young. And I was, we were talking about you. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, he played with Weir. He was like, what? Really? And we, <laughs> I, I got him a tape. And then you guys went into Bahama Mama, which I missed. I was yeah. like, Weir played Bahama Mama? I know. <laughs> those are my two worlds. Like, that's yours from your solo album, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. did. That was so cool. That was a heck of a band with Weir. You had, I think Brent was Brent in that band as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, Brent, uh, Bobby Cochran, uh, Billy Cobham. Billy Cobham. Yeah. Too much. I went on a, I'm sorry, I'm like going to fanboy. I'm like Chris Farley with Paul McCartney right now. I'll just Remember when you played Constitution Hall? I, I just went, you know, I'm up super early like you, Alfonso. Thank you for getting up so early uh, or doing this so early. And I, I was list. I just went back and listened to all the the old weather report and George Duke. And I just mm. went, that's the stuff me and my older brother sat there just dreaming about, you know, like if we could get anywhere near that and man, it was, it, I just had such a good feeling hearing all those bass lines. I mean, I always knew how much you influenced me, but going back and listening to like 
cucumbers slumber and all these different things that, you know, I just was like, wow, I steal from you so much. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, you know, that's the great thing about music because, you know, the last time I saw, um, the great, and excuse me, I have to kind of, that's my composure here a little bit. Um, you know, the last time I actually spent time with James Jameson, uh, I wanted to share with him the, the same feeling that <clears throat> you just shared and just how much I was able to uh, borrow from him, steal from him, and and let him know that yeah. Without that that foundation, and, you know, I wouldn't have play, I wouldn't have come up with all that stuff. But it didn't just stop at at Jameson, Chuck Rainey, yes, uh, yes. Monk Montgomery, mm-hmm. um, just countless of of Tony Williams. You know, playing with Tony changed my bass playing. Really <laughs> I did. guess so. <laughs> yeah, it, it really did in a, in a strange kind of way. So Good. all those, you know, yeah. all those musicians, man, we, we all share the language and, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. You were extremely thing. young. You know, I go back and I look, it's funny because you looked older to me then, you know, but I was yeah. 14. I was. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <it's, laughs> actually, I'm younger than that. Well, I was younger than that. It's because in 1974, I was 10. Wow. And now I go back and I see these same album covers and I go, oh my God, look, he was just a kid. Yeah. You know, like you were so young, but what you were coming up with, you were one of the main people that taught me to like in a jam come up with a really cool bass line. Like you don't have to stick to it and like make it in stone. Right, right. Do variations off it. Like it can keep changing out infinitum, but still like find a cool riff, you know, yeah. and you were just one of the kings of the coolest riffs, you know, bass yeah. riffs and grooves that I felt like you just and you know, I can't say I was speculating that you came up with that in the jam. Like you just it I wasn't like Yeah, I got that from Wayne Shorter. Because you know, when you're improvising, Wayne said it's like you're actually composing, but you're yeah. it's uh sped up. But when you're composing, it's like you're improvising, but it's slowed down. <laughs> so oh, that's neat. <laughs> that's, so true. that's great. That's super cool. That is. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I learned so much from John Wayne. It's, it's stupid. <laughs> I would have paid them to be in that band. <laughs> One of those situations, highly skilled though you were. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. Oh, I can't. I never got to play with those guys. Oh, my like, God. All my yeah. heroes. Um, but every night, every night was like walking on a. A tightrope with no net. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 
But and and at that like how old were you in seventy four? I mean, you were really young. Yeah. Well, I was born in nineteen fifty one. Yeah. So you do the math. Super <laughs> early twenties. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. That's amazing. That's really amazing. Your first show. What was Otil? We were we talk about your first concert, right? It was at Constitution Hall, right? Yeah, that's oh, after you left um, the band. Yeah, actually, you know, my first concert was June 18, 1968. My first professional gig was uh, June 18, 1968. I walked up on stage. I got my high school diploma. My mom was waiting at the bottom of the stairs, gave me a kiss and said, be safe. I love you. And I went and got in a, a car with seven other musicians with a UL trailer on it. And we drove 90 miles to Atlantic City to play with an artist named Ronnie Dyson. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> and High school Ronnie Dyson, that was my first professional gig. <laughs> and he, he was the singer uh, from the, uh, the film. Uh, Aquarius. Ah, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I'm learning that now. Amazing, amazing voice. But anyway, that's, that was my first gig. So I want to roll back just a little bit. Um, cause I have so much to ask you about, uh, but meeting Jamerson for those who may not know, James Jamerson is on the Mount Rushmore of yeah. basses, especially electric bass. He played upright as well, like Alfonso does. But, you know, what were the circumstances of you getting to hang with him? Did you, because you're from Philly, right? And he was based in Detroit. When did yeah. you guys hook up? <clears throat> I was playing uh, a concert in Detroit at uh can't remember the name of the club now uh a, a wine bar or something like that and um i was playing with billy paul who had ah. a big hit single out named me and mrs jones yeah and during the you know back then in order to especially get the sunday church going crowd into a club you had to have kind of a variety of entertainment. So after, before we went on with Billy Paul, there were these girls and women who were modeling clothes, you know. So the, the fashion show was going on and I'm backstage and in walked this guy and I was like, this can't be true. <laughs> this, is, this isn't really happening. And then at that point, Norman, uh, Norman Farrington, our drummer said, come on, it's, it's time to go. The, the fashion show is over. And I just kind of looked back like, oh my God, I can't. This is, uh... So we went and played our set. And when we came back, he was still there. And so I went, man, if I don't say something, I'm going to yeah. hate myself for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I just went up and I said, I'm sorry, excuse me, sir. Uh, 
are you James, Mr. Jameson? James Jameson? He said, yeah, yeah. And that started a short, a brief conversation. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to bug him or, you know, be a nuisance. So I just introduced myself and said, you know, how grateful I am for his music and how, how much, you know, he influenced everything that I, that I do and hope to do. And that was it. Yeah. People, uh, every, all of you've heard James Jamerson fans out there. If Motown stuff is ubiquitous, uh, even outer space aliens have heard James Jamerson. It's just a fact. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fact. Yeah. You know? But you know, there is like a staggering amount of amazing bass players from Philly. I didn't realize yeah. it until someone pointed it out. <laughs> so you probably had, you know, you ever meet Giovanni Collier? He no, played with Bruce no. Hornsby. No. Anyway, he he had Jamerson's. He told me he had one of Jamerson's B-15s. I was like, how? Wow. He goes, he was my. High, he said he was my high school bass teacher. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Your high school's a. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know, you probably had a very similar situation in Philadelphia where like the local guys were like, who were your main mentors like coming up in Philly when you were um, young? Well, <clears throat> it would have to be uh, Sherman Ferguson, who was the drummer, and Eddie Green, the keyboard player and uh, and uh, uh, Victor's father uh, Bailey um, oh that's right his dad did play too can't think of his name right now but uh, they had a band called Catalyst and they kind of took me under their wing and uh, just that was it was kind of almost like you being with the Colonel, right? You could play yeah. anything, anything goes. Ah. But there was a, a structure to what they were doing where you had to catch certain themes and then you go, oh, yeah. we're playing that song now. Exactly. You know? That was exactly like the Colonel. <laughs> and um, it was it just, it, man, it just opened my ears like I never could imagine, you know, to just anything is possible in the music, you know. And how um, old were you about then? Uh, I was still, I hadn't graduated high school, so maybe about 16, 17. Wow. What a great age to start high flying. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I met the Colonel around 24, but like, yeah. well, I did have Kofi. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. But still, like that kind of like the wide open, the wide open thing at sixteen. That's that's pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I had no idea. Uh, I mean, I had theory, harmony, and theory training from my orchestral playing in the yeah. junior high school. But still, that was that was a whole different, different thing. And it's, what made you want to switch to electric and fretless about, and all that? <clears throat> Uh, that's an interesting story. I had a an offer from a group called the Three Degrees. Yeah, 
And uh, their manager approached me, you know, and said, uh, you know, they're looking for a bass player to uh, do some dates with them. And, you know, would you be interested? So I said, yeah, you know, pay me more money than I could ever imagine, $350 a week, you know. <laughs> and when I told my mom, she was just, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, mom, I think, I think I'm, I've made it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I could help out, not only help out with the rent, I could now buy myself some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Steady so I money. Went out, I went out and uh, I went to uh, H Street Music in Philly. And the first thing I saw was this blonde bass you know and i thought wow I'm, that's i'm gonna get that bass and it just happened to be a fretless bass but uh. you know i didn't really think about you know scale length and the difference oh i play upright so i must be able to play electric yeah. fretless so i bought that bass and the first day of rehearsal was a rude awakening <laughs> because the intonation was so uh so different <laughs> So I'm reading music, trying to make corrections, and uh, you know their manager says, "You're gonna be okay." I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get it." <laughs> so I just pr practiced like the Dickens. You know, I took the charts home, and uh, that was my first gig on on uh, Fretless Days. Wow, you started on Fretless. That makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. Mike. I don't want to hog the whole conversation. <laughs> are you kidding me? I'm loving this. No, I'm absolutely loving this. Please keep going. I just wanted to interject and say that, like, you know, you mentioned something, Alfonso, about, and we've all all experienced it. I got to experience it with stand up comedy. When you're taken under, when someone takes you under their their wing, as a young performer or as someone that's not as seasoned, there's a weird responsibility. I think that kind of comes with it. It's like I have to start, like, not that you weren't not that we won't don't take it seriously before, but it's like someone's paying attention to me now. Yeah. Like it brings a certain sense of like, okay, like I, I need to step it up. I, it, it's almost <laughs> a fear of messing up kind of comes along with it. Right. That's right. That's right. Still, <laughs> still, still, I know. That's yeah. right. I mean, you know, um, you're, you're right. It's like they, they became my other family. And, and also uh, kind of like my substitute fathers, you know. Um, and in that sense, there was, a, you're right, a big responsibility for, I better not mess this up, you know. And, uh, and e even, even today, you know, with uh, playing with jazz is dead, you know, I have to have a... Uh, I have all the music on an iPad that I constantly keep in front of me because, uh, and excuse me, Bobby, excuse me, Steve, excuse me, Pete, but sometimes things get a little convoluted in the music. <laughs> Wouldn't so, be the dead without that, right? <laughs> I, have, I have to be the one that sometimes to go, here's where we really are in the music, <laughs> you know. And sometimes I'm guilty of it. I'll I'll think, oh, we're here, and then I'll hear somebody else go, no, we're actually here. <laughs> you know? So it's you, you kind of want to allow the music to happen, 
in the moment and not be so tied down. Yeah. But also, uh, as O'Toole probably knows more than anybody, there are moments when you kind of know where we're headed for a train wreck. <laughs> Somebody kind of needs to step in and go, I don't know. I don't know where you guys are, but here's where I am. <laughs> and if they follow you, that's the acknowledgement of, Okay, we'll go. We're gonna go with you. <laughs> You're the conductor. You jump on yeah. that e brake. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes yeah. I could do that. I, you know, you never know when you. I I kind of look to Jeff Cominti. Yeah. You know, because sometimes you could tell it's headed off the tracks. Yeah. And and they want it to be. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, we're gonna completely go into a free <clears throat> spin. So. I'm like, on purpose or not on purpose? You know, here's the one, and they're like, on purpose. I'm like, all right, okay, we're just, yes, I'll spin yeah. with, I'll, I'll free float with you. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, that's hilarious. Are we doing this on purpose? Yeah. I mean, and it's great to never know because it's again like that thing we were talking about. You said your uh, one of your first formative experiences in mind with the Colonel where you never know. Yeah. And that really is like life. Like you really don't ever know That's ever. Right. When you right. said, you know, still I'm like, yeah. In every part of life, <laughs> like, yeah. you just have to be ready to roll with it. I got to tell you one funny thing when I, I got a fretless once mm -hmm. and I could not for all every, fiber of my being no matter what happened i sounded exactly like you i'd listen to tapes back <laughs> being kofi and i was like you're doing it again and i play i'd be like this time i'm not gonna do it i'm just gonna play what i'm hearing in my head and it would come out like you I, and i was just like i had to sell the bass <laughs> it was a neck i put a fretless neck on one bit and i just like i let it go i don't know if i gave it away or sold it i just like it's impossible oh man that's funny you should find that instrument <laughs> if i could get that well i have a fretless now and now i can like force myself more but yeah. this was like i was 17 18 yeah and it was like fine. Everybody was trying to sound like Jocko, and I was like, you yeah. know, let me. And I was stuck sounding like you. I was like, if you can't sound like yourself, just stop. Yeah. Just stop. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I, that's just, I, I can relate to that. Um, after I left Weather Report, and Jocko joined the band, Jocko was everywhere. You know, yeah. you couldn't couldn't hide from him. He was like everywhere, and so. <laughs> You know, I already knew that I had established a sound of my own, but I purposely stayed away from playing harmonics. Yeah. Playing uh, certain licks that I knew that he played, you know, just to kind of keep my, my sanity and my own identity. Yeah. Well, your, your sound was so defined already. And there's not that many guys to me that really stick out like, like in in three notes i can tell who it is on fretless yeah it was you jocko and percy jones yeah this cat from england that just had such a yeah. a different sound like you you know you're like that's percy nobody does yeah. that shit but who did he play with he played with phil collins who you also recorded on phil's first yeah. solo album yeah. right phil had yeah. a fusion band called brand x yep 
Oh, wow. Actually, did Daryl Sturmer? Pl- no, it was. Actually, Daryl. <clears throat> Daryl was playing with Jean Luc Ponty. That's it. That's it. That's it. And that's it. When I went to to audition for the gig with Genesis and didn't get get the gig, I said you should call Daryl Sturmer because I knew Daryl also played bass as well as guitar. So that's I'm pretty sure that's how Mike got touch with Daryl. So that was a gig that you weren't playing bass on. You were playing. They wanted Chap- me to play Chapman stick. Yeah, you got to tell the our fans about Chapman stick. Like, I don't even know where to begin on that. It's a yeah. <laughs> when we saw that instrument, we already thought you were from outer space. We was like, he's part <laughs> ET, you know. We just all our fa- all our favorites are and were. <laughs> That's a then when you pulled that down, honor. I saw that thing. I was like, what is that? It has <laughs> way too many strings. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Well, it's a um, it's a ten string touch board, and let me see. I don't have it plugged in right now, but I can show you. Yeah, just when people just see it, they'll be like, "Oh, okay, I get it." Ten, <laughs> like, ten strings. You don't have to hear it. <laughs> and it it's got whoa uh, five bass strings that you play that I play with my uh, left hand, and five melodic strings that I play with my right hand. So what what makes it valuable to me as a composer is when I arpeggiate in the left hand, I can play chords that are right under my fingers. You know, I can play like dominant seventh chords or major triad chords, you know, and and augmented chords. And it's not like with the bass. The bass is tuned in fourths, but these are tuned in fifths with the uh-huh. lower string on on the bottom. Uh-huh. So it's kind of a different way of thinking yeah. about bass. That's- and then the melody strings being tuned in fourths, I can readily grab uh, triad chords right under my uh, three fingers. But in addition to that, uh, there's a... Um, a new record that I'm on where I'm playing some stick parts where I'm playing, are playing like almost like guitar arpeggios. Yeah. I'm doubling what the guitar player is doing, but <clears throat> because my strings are, are lower, I can double his lines by the first three notes being like a bass playing them, but then the top two notes being like a guitar. Player. So it kind of creates a different kind of sound. Wow. And, uh, it's just, and you, people, can you turn it horizontally so people can yeah. see like how long it is? Yeah. Whoa, look at that. So you don't pluck it like a, no, 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 a no. guitar. You're playing both like hands on the fretboard like a piano. Yeah. It's like a yeah. guitar. It's, it's, it's percussive in nature. Yeah. Um, I've seen some people play it with a pick, like strum it. Hmm. And, uh, I never saw that. I, it's just. It's it's uh for me the traditional way is to just use your tap touch with your finger. Yeah, that's such a thick neck too. Ten strings. Kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah. This one's this one is called a rail board because it's made out of uh, total. It's not wooden. It's all graphite. 
uh, mm. material. Make it lighter. Mm. It's a little heavier, actually, but really? I like it because it's got AMG. Yeah. On it. Yeah. It's like it's got guitar pickups. And, uh, you know, I got a nice Fender basement. I don't know if you remember those. Mm-hmm. Fender, old Fender basement amp, which is kind of uh, really suited, well suited for this instrument. You know, it's funny because it's such a futuristic uh, guitar for extraterrestrials, and you run it through an, an old '60s basement yeah. <laughs> with the old, you know, <laughs> Buck yeah. Rogers tubes. You know? yeah. <laughs> wow, that's true. That's true. Really, I got. I want it right after we're done. I want to listen to some, like, dude, check his solo albums out because the. That a bunch stick, there. it's very different. I wonder if I've heard it. I must have heard it and not known, you know? Actually, the, the best, I always say the best uh, recording of the stick is on YouTube. Yeah. And if you look up uh, my name uh, with Chapman Stick, it'll take you to a concert I did with uh, when I was playing with Santana. And nice. we do a ballad from the movie The Deer Hunter called Cavatina, written by John Williams. And that's probably the best because you can nice. hear me playing solo. And then when the band comes in, you can hear me playing with the band. Yeah. That's cool. awesome. <clears throat> I'm definitely going to check that out right after. That's such a neat instrument. Wow. They just added Santana to the like. <laughs> long list. In the intro, I'll, I'll go to the like incredibly long list of people you've played with. <laughs> well, I'd be I'd be remiss if I didn't ask the two of you. Um, the dead geek in me has to ask the approach and the, um, you know, from a composer standpoint, from a player standpoint, from a, just the ear approaching Phil Lesh and approaching the way that you both kind of can, you're seeing it from different angles. You're approaching it from different angles, different venues, different. I just like to know your thoughts on him as a composer, as a, you know, how to approach that, like, Kind of wild, uh, you know, mad scientist type play. Yeah, go ahead, Ot. I'm going to let you go first. Well, I mean, I've the, the people on my podcast have heard me talk about it a bunch, but you know, just real quickly, it's like he's uh, from the things that I come from, especially jazz, Colonel Bruce. All these things that allow you to uh, break rules or not be confined by the most constricting rule of the rules, uh, which, you know, people just like, I just want you to play bass. Just give me the root and the four and the five. And, you know, I like to play counter melodies and stuff. I love bass subs. I love changing the chords. And Phil, yeah, I mean, that's his philosophy. Never do it the same way once. Yeah, so. Yeah. And it does put pressure on you to continually evolve. Like if you do it, if you find something really cool and you do it too much, now it's wrong. (laughs) You got to keep changing it. So I would listen to him like every decade, same song. He just keeps changing it up to right now. Yeah. You know, so then yeah. I was just like, okay, well, just play it like yourself because you can't play it like him and yeah. he'll keep changing it. So you'll never put your finger on it, you know. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at Smart Wolf. 
For more than 25 years, Smartwool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They're here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. I guess, I guess my approach when we first put Jess is dead together, I had never really listened uh, to the Grateful Dead's music from an analytical point of view, you know, to have to like, okay, we're going to play these songs. How do we play them and, and make jazz arrangements? <clears throat> so when I, when I heard the music, you're right. It was like, Bill Les didn't. Already landed on one. <laughs> didn't like playing the roots of the chord, you know. So that kind of freed me up to do my own thing. Yeah. So my approach is more from a silly R&D pocket kind of way of thinking. You know, I always play the one when the chord changes. And I like to use the uh, call and response African approach to creating the baseline. I'll play something and then I'll respond to it. Yeah. And play some, you know. And then try to have that evolve throughout mm -hmm. the song. So I might do it to establish the verse. And then when the bridge comes, I'll switch to something else. But it's always usually call and response. And uh, lately, I've been finding myself taking more risk with it. You know, so now that those guys know, now that we all know each other musically, you know, I can turn things around, not play on the downbeat or, you know, play five against four, you know. Yeah. And you know, sometimes Kamak will look over at me like, what's he doing? <laughs> and I'm like, Mission accomplished. You've got oh, his yeah. look down too. It's like, yeah. Got yeah. Down. Don't, don't worry, in 20 measures, it's going to make sense, you know? <laughs> so that kind of thing. I heard this incredible story about um, Wilco. They did a thing called Philco, where it was Phil and friends and some of the members from Wilco and Nels Klein a virtu just vir virtuosic guitar player, they were playing one of Wilco's songs via Chicago. And there's a part of the song where Nels just goes, like the band just goes completely insane. But Jeff Tweedy, the singer, stays in the like kind of country-ish <laughs> sort of rhythm. And they just he's just going out of this, like just possessed. And I guess Phil kind of looked up. <laughs> <laughs> like he got Phil's attention and you can just hear Phil go, huh? And just sort of laugh while he's playing. So it's just like, you know, to break the breakster a bit was kind of like cool, you know, to, to see that happen. I think about the, the, the intuition that Garcia had where he, he said to Phil, you're going to be the bass player in this band. And he never played bass. Yeah. Like that's just such an incredible, like he knew he had that in him. So maybe that changed the way that he even approached. There was no preconceived 
yeah. notions, you know, yeah. maybe that freed him up. There's a great, uh, there's a great amount of responsibility, but also that's a great word, freedom. When you're asked to play music and there's no baseline, somebody else didn't already come up with the part, you know? Yeah. And um, the only other time I've had that was with a group called Abraxas Pool, mm-hmm. which was uh, Greg Raleigh, Neil Schoen, Michael Sharif, Chipito, Michael Carabello, where they had these songs. And when we went in to record, <clears throat> they had already had, uh, I can't think of the bass player's name from Journey. Uh, oh, yeah. I should know this. Yeah, yeah. I apologize. But, but anyway, he had recorded, and I said, I don't want to hear the bass. Yeah. And Neil was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Go fresh. Neil is a big, big fan of, yeah, give us what you have to say, you know, come up with your own thing. And uh, that was the only time I really was in a group, I mean, other than Catalyst, where there was no preconceived idea about the baseline. However, uh, this new record that I just did with Unitopia is probably the second time that I've been asked to, okay, here are the songs, come up with your own bass part. And of course, there were always these suggested parts by the keyboard player, but yeah. it's like, I'm not going to play like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thanks I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they're different instruments. They don't, uh, you know, it's like more extreme than different languages. Like different languages, they all come out of mouths, you know. Yeah, yeah. A piano is just completely different than a a bass guitar. So it's not, it's not, you can't. I mean, there's some people that can kind of do it like Stevie Wonder and Neil Evans from Soul Live and. Yeah, that have yeah. this keyboard based thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, even look at the Doors. I mean, like that's just such a strange approach where the key yeah. is playing. That's the bass in the band. Odd. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so you know, uh, there's a couple of things I want to ask you about that are themes of our podcast. One sure. is uh, mental health, and the other is anomalous experiences <laughs> or paranormal. Yes. experiences which i think we have a lot of in jams because you get when things start getting very telepathic you're like oh what's going on here yeah but yeah. mental health first you know you've had your career started really early like graduate high school see you mom and then skip and, college <laughs> yeah and you were doing really big stuff really early um how are you so still sane nice physically healthy (laughs) (laughs) a lot of people lose one or alive you know uh lose one or multiple or all of those things it's it wasn't always on a straight trajectory you know um first of all my upbringing, you know, my family raised me uh, from a Baptist church 
perspective. I always went to Sunday school with my little hat on and uh, like my little tie and my jacket, you know. <clears throat> and um, so that foundation never leaves you, you know, no matter what happens in life. But, you know, I, I, I must admit, uh, when I got to go out on tour with, with people like uh, Santana and these other big groups, I was not always sane, you know. I, I always, I, not, I didn't always do things that uh, would have supported that image that people had of me, you know. and. Uh, I think those experiences are valuable too, because you know we we can't can't live we can't go back and live in the past because life is a forward moving uh, event. But you can learn from uh, things that we call mistakes or experiences and carry those forward, whatever they are, whether it's uh, music or relationships or, you know, the things that happen uh, during our lives. So, and to turn that into the mental health aspect is we are always evolving as a human being and we, we have to accept that evolution. This is a, this is a great film. Uh, uh, about about this, it's a, it's a kind of a science fiction movie uh, with Scarlett Johansson, and uh, she she plays this character, and she the whole film is about how it all starts from one cell, and how that cell splits into two. And how those two cells are communicating, and then it keeps going. And we can kind of relate that to the universe. Everything, all matter is composed of, of cells, but they all relate to each other. So something that happened here in my music room is being shared <clears throat> over the air with Otiel in his room and Mike and Eric, and all the people that are going to watch this, and it all connects us, you know, that swirl that we look at sometimes when we look at the solar system, it looks like this gigantic thing. We're all like grains of sand, each one of us. So when you go to the beach, you can imagine how many pieces of sand are connect connected to each other and we're all like that. We're all connected. And when the water comes in yeah. and moves the sand and washes it away, we're all affected by it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, to me, that's, that's the mental health aspect of it for me. It's, it's, I just try to be as fluid uh, as possible and accept things that are happening, whether I think they're good or bad or, or whatever. I just kind of go with it, you know, and that's yeah. kept me alive for these past 70, tomorrow will be 72 years. <laughs> Happy Your birthday. birthday's tomorrow? 
Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Happy birthday. 72, man. You do not look it. Wow. <laughs> you know, definitely not. <laughs> no, because it's, you know, a, a fair amount of my heroes have died early, you yeah. know, um, way back, you know, the old jazz guys and stuff. And I very, I've always looked to the guys that had that longevity. You know, mm. I got to see Dizzy Gillespie very old. I yeah. got to see Buddy Rich when he's very old, Sonny Stitt. Yeah. You know, I got, to, they all died right after that. I almost quit yeah. going to see people. <laughs> but, you know, you and and Chuck Rainey, and there's a, a Willie Weeks. There's these people I know yeah. that just have this longevity. They're still very sweet, very nice. Yeah. And it's like, wow, you didn't let, because, a lot of the people, are yeah, totally, I hear you. you know, they, God bless them. Yeah, <laughs> they either it's lost the, the nice part, the sane part, the physical health part, yeah. or all the above, except for their life. You know, there's the, it's it's not an easy career. I feel sorry for him. That's like Norwood Fisher sweatshirt said, "Being human is a full time job. There's no yeah. clocking out." No, you no. know, and Never. yeah, it's and so you need to have that. Like what you said, Alfonso, like life is a forward moving event. Yeah. If you can learn from, but also leave some stuff in the past. Yeah. Keep moving forward. There was a really great Fela Kuti quote that I'm, I've been looking for that I, I, I had taken a screenshot of. And I'm going to keep looking because I want to find it and read it to you. But it fits right in with that where it's like mm. our mistakes are our, our learning points. Like, yeah. they're the yeah, you know, you need them. If they There's don't kill you, if they don't right. kill you, so like, and now that I have kids, yeah. I'm like, yes, I know you have to make your own mistakes. Stepping out into tra traffic on the highway is not <laughs> yeah, one of them. You know, like, then yeah. we got to, we got to, sorry. There has to be boundaries. <laughs> there has to be, you know, yeah. I hate authority. You know, like I've, I've realized when, when Garcia said, you know, the Grateful Dead, everybody in this band were pathologically anti-authoritarian. I was like, that's why I'm in this band. Yeah. <laughs> I just do not like the rules, you know? <laughs> yeah. Here's this Fela Kuti quote. Everything I did wrongly was for experience. That's how I see it. Once a man is looking for a better knowledge and he tries to be honest and truthful in all endeavors, then his life is just an experience. It cannot be a regret. That's mm -hmm. true. Which is really Amen. interesting, right? You know? Because you can beat yourself up forever about the mistakes, but if you go, I'm not that person now. Yeah. yeah. Right? If you could yeah. be honest and truthful about it after the fact. All it's my pursuits were not so noble. But <laughs> 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 I'm a wild man. I, I That's just part of my, you know, but whatever. You know, too, that's a, that, I'm glad you said that. That's, <clears throat> that's part of it, too. You know, I mean, that, that when you become a risk taker, it doesn't stay with playing the bass. It's exactly. when you leave the stage, you're still that person, you know, and that's, that's what you bring to the music. You know, when you write songs or when you play the instrument or when you sing, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. So now I have fun. to remind myself of that with my son. Because yeah. my son is like, you know, I want to do it differently and he'll do it great. And I have to let him do it. It's teach. It's not 
Well, I wouldn't think it's natural for me to be authoritarian. It's come a little bit more naturally than I'm comfortable with. Like, yeah. Cut yeah. it out. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> I don't want to be a bully. You know what I mean? But I also realize, like, O'Teal, this is, like you said, Alfonso, this way that you are, since it didn't kill you, is very useful in music if you can get it controlled in the other parts yeah. of your life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And all these within the boundary of like, well, we're all doing this together. So if I'm being so wild that now it's hurting how other people are playing, well, then now I'm not doing it right. Yeah. Same with yeah. light. And I, but I got to let Nigel's teacher said he goes to a Montessori school. So they're out of the box anyway. Yeah. She said, well, he's not nor I was like, yeah, I know he's different. We have three levels of desks. So he prefers to stand. Mm. So he doesn't want to be made to sit yeah. down in one place. Yeah, but they I said like his that. favorite is all the way on top of the highest desk, like laying on top of it, like <laughs> doing his work. And they said, we let him do it. And his work is like at the top of the class That's and awesome. he focuses. But if you make him sit down, he can't like, but if you yeah. just let him like, you know? yeah, so I was great. like, okay, O'Teal, this is your son. Like, don't, yeah. you, know? <laughs> you gotta let him. Yeah, dude, you do. Karma boy, karma. <laughs> to reap just as you sow, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's also authority. You say author authoritarian, but what I hear is like, you know, if you know the person that the authority is coming, if that like, hey, cut it out, it's coming from someone who also says, I love you. Yeah. It's you, yeah. you go, okay, that guy cares about me. I think that's more of him. a feeling with him than a thought. Sure. Because <laughs> the thought is that jerk. Shut up. The thought is the second this dumb dumb leaves the room, I'm doing it twice. But that's right. The hard thing, though, he knows deep down that guy loves me. He's not yeah. yelling at me. He, you know, karma. It's yeah. beautiful. It's actually perfect. It's beautiful. I'm glad. For all man. the everything, what a learning experience, man! Think about how many people would have ended up different if they were allowed to lay on the top of their desk. How many of us like had to just like sit still, Dude. shut up, don't do this, don't do that, don't don't scribble? I always thought, you know, there was like this whole like I remember there being like schools were mad about graffiti outside the school, and I always thought, how about we donate a wall inside the school? Yeah, just let's do it. Yeah. Like it's, it's maybe they're, maybe it's, it's, you're considering it rebellion because they don't have like, no, there's no place for that. Like it provide a place, a place for it to happen. Who knows what kind of beautiful artwork would have come of it. Right. How many Warhols and all this are, are stifled at whatever years old. And they're told like, sit down and be quiet. Yeah. And they're not able to, yeah, man. I think that neat. I think about that with Hitler because I, I saw somewhere uh, recently that Hitler got rejected at art school. He didn't get in. I was like, what if he got in and just was able to get all that shit out painting? You know, like the whole friggin' world would have been different if someone had a little bit more of an open mind and said, Perhaps. "Oh, come on. God, who knows?" You know, like, geez, you know it's interesting <laughs> that people talk about Hitler. But we never get to learn, like, who his parents were, what his upbringing was, you know, what are the, all that other stuff that affected this person, yes. you know? Yeah. I find it interesting in the Bible, this <laughs> concept that 
you don't have enough information about a person to judge them. Only God does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I think about that, like when Trump was running, because now I have I have little kids. I've watched yeah. my kid go from a lump to a beautiful, pure, just loving being. And I was like, if we saw Trump as at like three, and we couldn't tell it was him. Yeah. Because he doesn't look like what he looks like now yet, right? Yeah. That kid is like hanging out with my kids, being a yeah. beautiful kid. Now, I don't know what happened along the way, but it's probably the same with Hitler. Some people have a rough start straight from the beginning, and yeah. that's clearly possible. And a, and a lot of those people end up really nice. So that's I don't true. know, but I, I, I suspect there is a point when they were just pure and good and beautiful, beautiful little children. You know, and like you say, Alfonso, we never think about that. Yeah. We think about the asshole that we hate. You know? <laughs> we think about it's kind of easy with those two. <laughs> I mean, it is, you know, history that we evolve keeps moving yeah. forward. But right. I try yeah. to think about it. I try to think about it with a bunch of people. <laughs> and it's and it's it's so it's so interesting about how like I and it's it's been portrayed in movies pretty good where it's like you see the when you look at the person you picture the little kid inside of them or like, you know, I remember yeah. there was like one of the comic book movies where it's like every time I forget who it was, some villain, every time he looks in the mirror, he sees like a overweight kid. Mm. And like, yeah. that's the whole thing. Like he's, yeah. he's him to himself. So he's like, his perception is the reality, right? Yeah. It's interesting to think about that. Yeah. Like is Trump still some kid that got like his lunch money taken? Yeah. You know, or whatever. And now he's like, no one's taking my money. You can't see my taxes. <laughs> oh, God. <it's... laughs> Who the we've, hell got to, we've got uh, to stop bullying. <laughs> bullying can save the bullying. <laughs> you know? I was that kid. I was that kid. They tried to take my lunch money. Really? Billy's rough, just, man. I or just knew be? if I let this happen, it's never going to stop. So I kind of drew a line in the sand, took my hat off. And we went at it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I never pictured you that way. I pictured you just like the piece of the. What sign are you, man? Aquarius. Oh, that's what my son is. What day? February second. Oh, duh. Tomorrow, February second. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. My son's an Aquarius. Yeah, he's but a fighter survival. too, man. Yeah. That's that's not picking a fight. That's survival. Oh, what yeah. you were doing, Alfonso? You had to say like it's going to keep happening. Yeah. Do you have any children? I have three. Yeah, I have three beautiful. T I have a uh, my oldest son Miles. He's he'll be thirty seven this year. Awesome. My daughter Lori. She'll be thirty six. Uh, my youngest son Malcolm will be thirty five. Man, you you did a. My mom said, "Potty train him before you have another one." You went bam, bam, bam. <laughs> You're like, let's get it out the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm just, you know what I'm just realizing. I met you the last time I met you back. We, it was at the Mercury Lounge when you with Steve Kimock back in. It must have been Mercury Lounge, um, 2001, maybe. What city is that, Mercury? New York City. Oh, okay. 
And I met you with my buddy, Justin, whose birthday is the same as yours, February oh. 2nd. His birthday's tomorrow as well. And I just oh. put that together and I was like, wow, that's weird. That, Happy yeah. birthday, Justin. Happy birthday, Justin. <laughs> it was a 4th of July weekend. I remember catching you guys at, a, at I think it was Mercury Lounge, but. That was, yeah. a, great, but that, that was a great band. I, I, so much talk, fun. Yeah, we were talking. I was actually, I was talking to Steve's wife, Jennifer, about that and just. <clears throat> with Rodney and Mitch, mm. how, yeah. how they were able to, it was like two bands, like Steve and Mitch, would, they wouldn't play the same chord voicing. So it almost sounded like yeah. one guitar. And then Rodney and I had that uh, polyrhythmic thing going where, you know, we would always keep mixing it up. So we weren't playing like a, a pocket pocket it was like two pockets you yeah know? and that that was that was great that was great. such a fun band oh yeah yeah that that early 2000s stands out to me as kind of like such a like it was it's a weird kind of like advent of so many great collaborations and so many bands and so many festivals yeah and like that whole jam scene i feel like it was like a really big moment for that scene like Bonnaroo happened for the first time and yeah. so many so yeah. much happened in that very early 2000s to 2004 five you could yeah. just see, go see phenomenal music all over the place it was like popping up in different cities and yeah. everyone was playing with everyone it was it was a lot of fun it's crazy how many periods like that you have been a part of Alfonso from like yeah. you know oh my god yeah yeah from uh, the late 60s to 60s uh, 70s 80s 90s 2000s 2000s you're due very 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 blessed man uh <laughs> you know I, you know i hear this a lot you know another day above ground but it's so true you know like yeah. you never know what's going to happen and you just welcome each day with it's like, wow. All right, let's do this. You know? Yeah. You got the best spirit. All right. One last question. I don't want to keep you too long All right. about the anomalous stuff. Cause I, yes. I've, it happens to me all the time. It always did. I met Colonel Bruce. It turned up to 11. Now I feel like it's heating <laughs> mm -hmm. up again. Like a lot, a lot of people that really actually didn't they just didn't see it, you know, and now they're like, hey, man, <laughs> what the hell have you ever had? I mean, I figure most people that are raised in church at least believe in the possibility of the paranormal and the anomalous. But have you actually had actually had experiences of some sort with it? I, no, I, I have weird dreams, but um, I've, I've never had a paranormal experience. And uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not all good. Like some people yeah. have had bad ones and, yeah. uh, but there's all different kinds, you know, like uh, I dream into the future. Some mm. people, a, a friend of mine, a close friend of mine who did not believe in mystical stuff, didn't say it doesn't happen, but just like, I never seen it happen and she almost died. And her parents came to her and wow. 
So she called me. She was like, yo, I know you believe in this stuff. She's like, I, I believe it now, bro. I was like, all right, we'll talk, you know, when you feel a little better. She's a kind of a long story, you know, and I was like, yeah. I want to get it all. So it's um, I think a lot of people that have deja vu's dream into the future, but they can't remember their dreams. And I can't because it starts like a deja vu. But then I remember. Yeah. Oh, I dreamed that, you know, well, or just, you know. Bobby uh, Lee Rogers and I have these conversations where we talk about how you know we 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 live in a we live in a three dimensional world you know that has uh, height and width and depth to everything you know when we look around we see that in all of our inanimate objects, but we also kind of see it like, for instance, when we're traveling, you know, um, we assume that when we fly from Chicago to Boston that we're going to get there, you know, we plan that we're going to go down to baggage claim, get our luggage, go to the hotel check-in, you know. It's all like we've projected that, but in fact, it's already happened. You know, that these events that happen in our life, it's already taken place, you know. It's just that we are in the in the present moving through it. So yeah. when we get to <clears throat> sound check, for instance, and Steve and Pete will play a lick at the same time. We just kind of look at each other and go, see, there it is. <laughs> that already happened, you know. Yeah. That was meant to happen. And so we're kind of moving through this world uh, in, in, a, in an interesting kind of way because we're like actors in this play that, that we call our life, you know. Yeah. And so. We're following uh, these events as they unfold before us, and we'll keep unfolding until we reach a point where that will change, and that will be part of what's going to happen as well. Yeah. Mm. So that's that would be my probably ESP moment. Yeah, Just realizing that wow, this is, uh, this interview had happened even before I got back home from walking in. You know, <laughs> the whole thing oh, is a along the spectrum. Experience. That's yeah. it. That's what it is to me because it's the fact that you could leave home and picture your room that you're sitting in as it is while you're halfway across the world. Yeah. Just that you can retain that yeah. or like all the scientists coming out of the closet about it now because they're starting to recognize or maybe something happened to them. And it's just like, hey, no matter what is three dimensional, there's still the observer observing it. There's still yeah. the measure measuring it. So yeah. what is that? It's, I call it, you know, <laughs> how, that we're aware of being aware. Yeah. Well, and also, no. like Alfonso, you're talking about like walking to baggage claim, right? 
Like, what are you in someone else's experience of walking from baggage claim? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So we're, it's it's a, a whole collection of paranormal things. The whole thing is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I just remembered the name of that film that I was talking about. Uh, it's called Lucy. 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 And, and it's with uh, Scarlett Johansson. And uh, it, it starts on the premise you know, about the cell splitting, but it also lays out this timeline of, you know, we're human beings. We have a brain, but we only use 10% of its capacity, potential, right? Yeah. I mean, but what would happen if we could use 15% of that brain? And they kind of lay out the scenario in the movie, what happens, and then 20%, and then 25%. So at a certain point, we would actually be able to transcend the human body as far as being able to affect things. Like, I, you know, at a certain point, rather than me picking up this coin and putting it back, I would be able to move it over here and place it back. See, he's, he's like, well, I've never had anything paranormal happen, but you sure think that way. I watch that movie. That's a fun movie. Yeah, and isn't it, yeah. isn't it a funny coincidence that as we were talking about it, you were like, oh, I remember the name of the movie now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, that already happened. I just said. There you go. All right. There, there it is. <laughs> the defense <laughs> rests. <laughs> Man, Alfonso, wow. You're it's so nice when you meet your heroes. And I did I met you a long time ago, but I'm sure you've had That's it happen true. where sometimes you know they say you don't want to meet your heroes, but man, you, Wayne Shorter, Elvin Jones, Roy Haynes. George Porter, I could go. Yeah. boom mode, Lusty. Thank you. Thank you for being so sweet. With George Porter, and uh, man, he—you're right. He is such a sweetheart. Man, him, Willie Weeks. Oh, yeah. So sweet, man. So sweet. I'm I'm happy to be here, and I'm I'm very glad that we were able to reconnect. Me too. And uh, let's stay in touch. We will. We won't wait. To, uh, uh, hopefully, Jazz is dead. will keep doing more stuff because that seems to be our, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, thank you yeah. so much for doing the podcast. You're beautiful. Pleasure to meet you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank Happy. you, Mike, and thank you, Eric, for taking good care of us while we're here on <laughs> on air. That's right. And uh, thank you. Yeah, today's the first day of Black History Month. So here you go, folks. Uh, yeah. the sweetest, most loving Black History that you could get. <laughs> <laughs> Top shelf. All right. That's right. Take Love care. You, Thank you. Thank you. All right. Have a great. Have a great week. Osiris. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.